You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 123, Titan AE, Space Snakes. Snakes. I don't know no snakes. The best way to the best way to start the podcast is 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 thus. Anyway, uh, welcome welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. This is uh, episode one twenty three, and holy cow, we have an awesome show for you today. Uh, my name is Mason. I will be your MC today uh, because of uh, the um, the name tag here. Uh, <laughs> since uh, unfortunately Morgan can't make it for this episode, and she left me in charge of the broadcast, and so. Um, I get my cool name on here and and my Twitter handle on here. So everybody, uh, everybody follow me on Twitter <laughs> uh, and Instagram and stuff like that. So anyway, thank you so much for joining. This is my lovely co-host, Chelsea Robson. I am here, but to, but to enjoy the day. <laughs> oh, man. So um, it's not every day uh, the Rotoscopers get to review a Don Bluth animated film. And so it's today true. is muy especial, muy especial, super especial. So anyway, if you're new to the podcast, then welcome. If you're an old uh, joining listener, uh, part of the Roto Nation, if you will, uh, then welcome back. You are among friends, friends who love animation. In fact, you can see this show as basically just a bunch of friends gathering around uh, on a couch or a commons area in a college dorm or some really hip cafe out in Paris or something, and just yakking it up about animation and what we love about animation. And uh, we, tr- we, uh, we typically do one animated film per episode. Today's episode is on Titan AE, the 2000 animated classic by, by Don Blue and Gary Goldman. Is, was this I the first time you watched it? This is actually the second time I've watched this movie. Okay, cool. Um, the first time I watched it was a couple of years ago when I first moved to Nashville. I was actually remembering this because Mason always kept talking about this. Oh, my gosh. Titan AE. Oh, my gosh. And I felt really stupid that this of all the movies was like one that I hadn't seen. I was like, I need to I need to see this movie. And so I, it was on Netflix at the time. And, and I remember seeing, oh, this is only going to be on Netflix for like three more days. I'm like, I must watch it. So that was that's my story of how I watched. <laughs> it was a good story. Okay, I just made a huge mistake. Uh, I can't hear the the music that I played at the beginning. I actually played over my head instead of the end is over by Powerman Five Thousand. Not that anyone cares about how accurate we are to the soundtrack to this <laughs> film, uh, because these are basically the artists that you uh, you know you put away the CDs after uh, you know the mid two you know after like two thousand five. You've pretty much got ashamed of this album and, and put it away. But um, anyway. We'll play a little Power Man 5000 at the end if you if anybody is still staying you know still tuned in but uh, that was you know I'm in over my head over my head you know it's an awesome movie when Creed does a track on your al- on your album yeah for the film Creed to do a track on my film <laughs> you have a film I, I mean I could have a film well, what, what would your film? What would your film be about? Because there's the uh, the great Mason animation conspiracy, uh, the great rotoscopers conspiracy, where uh, basically what we're actually trying to do is infiltrate the animation industry so that uh, I will direct an animated film, Morgan will be the model for one of the characters, and Chelsea will do the soundtrack. Right. So eventually, I'll 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 get Creed to join on for this fantastic show that we're going to be doing. Yeah, I think if I, I think at one point Lady Gaga was supposed to voice the character that Morgan was modeled after, but I don't. I think she's done with Lady Gaga, so it might be someone else now. So no, she's not done with Lady Gaga. She's just they're just taking a break. They're just taking a break. Anyway, on to the actual animated film that we are reviewing. So, uh, like I said, we're doing Titan AE, aka Planet Ice. That was like a working title for it. Really? <laughs> yeah, Planet Ice. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, well, it's just uh, it's just an indicator of the long production um, production woes that this uh, film underwent in its uh, 
in its production. We call it production hell in the industry, as I'm, I'm sure much of you know. So anyway, let's get into this. The ill-fated studio that took on this project was 20th Century Fox, specifically Fox Animation. And uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Directors, of course, are Don and Gary themselves, uh, the rock stars of animation. And um, very, very early, early story treatment by uh, none other than Josh Whedon. Uh, Josh Whedon. Sorry, I always forget his name, but... Uh, you know who's did who did um, who's done quite a few like cool sci-fi uh, animated uh, not animated films, but cool sci-fi films and stuff. The release date was the beautiful year of 2000, 16th of June in the U.S. And here's the sad part: on a budget of 75 million, the film only uh, grossed 36.8 million in the box office. 20th Century Fox took a huge hit with this one. And this is widely regarded as a cult classic because it does have or a very enthusiastic fan base, but it was not a commercial success at all. <laughs> Doesn't mean he couldn't like it, but it's just, man, so, so much crap happened with this. Yeah, it's true. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it, they took a lot of risks and a lot of, they. well, okay. <laughs> Being that it is Don and Gary I- I don't think that they thought they were taking very many risks. They just thought that they were doing their thing. And really, they are doing their thing. It's always this big debate. Like, um, when a film doesn't do so well, uh, who's to blame, you know? Or who whose fault is it? Was it the studio executives that did it? Or was it Don and Gary? Did they, you know, somehow stay off of their usual Don and Gary course? Or did their formula just not work? And um, if you'll permit me to, to share a little bit of history on the kind of the studio climate uh, that was surrounding Titan AE that I, I think that it'll help illuminate that. Uh, like I said, 20th Century Fox, they took a huge hit on this one. Oof. Like lots of problems, lots of setbacks, uh, production hell for, for quite a long time. You can hear in uh, a certain Don Bluth interview at like a convention that's on YouTube that basically um, Fox like threatened to fire animators who wouldn't agree to work on Titan AE, which is weird. Like that's like, I don't know. There's got to be some some sort of corporate ethics thing that's wrong with that. But basically, I'm I'm guessing that their animation branch wasn't doing very well. This was like their last ditch effort to save it or something like that, which doesn't make any sense because Anastasia did so well. So anyway, but the uh, you know the sources are there that this is what happened. Uh, they had absolutely no scripts for Fox Animation to work on, and so that put them behind. Super short production pipeline. You know how Zootopia took like five years to make. They gave them 19 months to make this one and uh, in the mid actually in the middle of production there were huge layoffs which led to outsourcing a lot of the animation whether that's the cg stuff or the hand-drawn stuff i can't say um, but as of the uh, the filming of the making of featurette uh, that I, I watched recently there were about 26 animators working on it which when they say animators were they actual uh, rough animators and 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 uh, cleanup artists and stuff or were they just people on the animation crew you know like uh, lighting technicians and cell shader people and, and programmers and stuff. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe if we ever get the chance, we will talk to Don and Gary about it. Be like, hey, guys, what do you think about Titan AE? <laughs> Wasn't that your animated film that sucked? That was the best <laughs> ever. We kind yeah. of did talk to him about it. Um, not in huge depth, but we did talk to him a little bit about it when we had um, that phone interview with you were on the phone and morgan and i were in oh the was it for the um for the dragon's lair movie? yeah for dragon's lair and so you can definitely check out the the link for that um i'll put that in the show notes as well but he does go in and he talks about how mason asked the question about um i think it was about um about titan a specifically and he was just like you know I, I had my own problems with that did i ever mention that to you gary and like gary says yes always <laughs> oh so it was one of those things it was one of those moments where like there were just some things that he was like i felt like there was an, a lot of um it was a little too much cgi versus yeah. the hand-drawn and so it kind of left you in that uncanny valley um area but it's it's some kind of valley not exactly uncanny <laughs> but it's, it's more like the valley yeah. of the shadow of death <laughs> <laughs> yeah We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, yeah, so he has talked about it, and he's 
one thing I love about Don Bluth now is that he's oh, he is owned by no man. And so he goes and he'll talk about whatever and he'll just like say it as it is, like his commentary on um, Anastasia, you know, at the very end of Anastasia when it's like everything's just kind of like falling apart and the, um, uh, the main... Um, What's the main guy's name? The main villain. He like is dying. And he's like, blah, like crumbling together. And he was just like, yeah, do you know why we did that? We ran out of money. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. And so we just had him crumble. <laughs> I, like, I, mean, I love you, Don. I would say that 75 million was pretty hefty for this film. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a budget or finance guy, but um, 19 months to, to finish this. And he didn't even have a script at the beginning. Like I would say they achieved a lot. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that what they achieved worked <laughs> anyway here, here's some good parts okay the the best the best thing about this film is the ice field sequence that was fun. am i right am i right um that cg still holds up today imo and it's just such a cool um i guess technical uh way to solve a problem with like having this like suspenseful chase scene to have like these mirrors and have these reflections and like you know tricking your opponents and stuff and um I think considering the technical limitations and I, I don't even want to know about the, the rendering time for that sequence, but just all the effects and stuff and particle simulation, like that's a huge uh, achievement, I think. And, uh, you know, the dredge, they certainly look really old with the CG. Something's going on with their frames per second to where they just look way too um, CG. And there's a lot of other parts that don't work. And let me, ex- well, let me explain to y'all what, why that is. Okay. Do y'all remember Iron Giant? Iron Giant. Yes. I'll remember Iron Giant. Of course you remember Iron Giant. So Iron. vintage rotoscopers. It was like uh, eons ago. I didn't have I didn't have my luscious hiccup hair. Um, so anyway, <laughs> let, let me turn into Emo Mason real quick. Yeah. I'm in over my head. <laughs> over my head. Okay. So uh, <laughs> what? Um, sorry, I'm playing with my hair on the podcast. Okay. So the Iron Giant, the character, he was CG. Y'all knew that, right? But the way they made him fit in the world was um, his, they actually cell shaded him or that his textures were uh, kind of a tune shader, what we would call in, in, in Mayaville, <laughs> in, in um, something that's, that's meant to look 2D, but it's applied to a 3D surface. And then they did all sorts of cool edge detection techniques where they kind of got the, the blurriness of the hand-drawn lines so that it looked like he was hand-drawn. The CG in Titan AE is does not match the surfacing and the colors and the cell shading of the characters. It looks more photoreal. Like you look at a ship and it's got this cool metal plating and rust and space grime. You know, everybody gets space grime on their spaceship once in a while. No shame in that. You know, and the planets all have this amazing, um, you know, swirly, twirly gumdrops. Um, these amazing textures and and uh, you know the dredge look all cool they're beings made of pure energy but that doesn't match what the characters look like the characters were cell shaded in a computer program and so it just doesn't match these are characters that look like they like like maybe acting wise they belong in the universe but visually there's a huge disconnect and then you've got all sorts of limitation, uh, all sorts of problems and technical challenges that happen when you're doing like pretty much half, like three quarters of the way rotoscoped human animation, you know, on these like jet ski things that they were bumping up and down and they had markers on and they animated to match to that. And then like the spacesuits are CG, but you've got a hand, hand drawn head inside of it. So all sorts of technical challenges and you got to hand it to them to taking for taking on that challenge. But does that mean that they excelled at it and uh like um like esther on the chat is saying um iron giant still looks fine but parts of titan ae appear outdated that's because in the iron giant they technically matched the cg characters very masterfully with the hand-drawn hand-painted ones drop the mic I'm so glad we have somebody as smart as you on the podcast, Mason. Just, oh, well. It brings so much validity to. I mean, what we have to I, say. I was magna cum laude, so. <laughs> but anyway, um, that doesn't that doesn't mean Jack in my industry. But um, just to let you kids know, you know, grades grades are are very important, but they're not everything. You got to actually know how to animate. But anyway, um, so that's pretty much it. Like there were like technical achievements, yeah. There are many. There's some beautiful environments like that kind of flooded planet with those big lantern things. That always gave me like a Star Wars Episode One vibe for some reason. I'm thinking Major Gungan City there. And then, but the ice, 
uh, Ice Planet, you know, which the film had its working title from. It's pretty brilliant. Of course, you had some of the workers who actually worked on uh, um, the Phantom Menace um, who are actually working on this film. And so it's all coming together. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's my technical rant. And I'm sure many technical rants will crop up as the episode progresses. But okay. uh, how about that soundtrack, huh? Soundtrack was was really well done. And can the great we, can thing we cue about- some uh, can we cue some Pirate Power Man five thousand on Please here? Do. Let's see. Power Man five thousand, man. Uh, I love it too. Wait till it, wait till it kicks in. But anyway, um, <laughs> I was such a huge. I was such a nerd. I loved Power Man five thousand when I was. Um, around the time I saw this. So I was like, my buddy, my buddy and I, uh, my, be- my best buddy, Joey and I were like super into like sci-fi and stuff like that. And, um, he couldn't believe that I hadn't seen this movie. He's like, dude, you got to see Titan AIDS. Like awesome. Like the earth explodes. And that's just the beginning of the movie. And there's these aliens made of pure energy and power man 5,000 does the soundtrack. And I'm like, power man 5,000, power man 5,000. <laughs> I was really into that stuff. And, uh, as a kid, I don't know. I just love the soundtrack. It's got so much like of this, like, early 2000 like angsty alternative metal going on you know Mm -hmm. and what's funny about this one is it's just so different from what most don bluth films had i mean you just his last one that he did right before this was anastasia all hell anastasia um but it's (laughs) the greatest disney princess ever (laughs) she is the greatest disney princess ever (laughs) (laughs) we're trolling everyone we're trolling we know we know (laughs) so um but I, I just feel like, you know, you and you look at most of the songs that he does and most of the of the movies that he does have some type of a musical vibe to them. He loves musicals. <laughs> and so why not? Um, but I think that they did a wise choice as far as this type of film, not turning it into a musical because it's just so not a musical. And I'm. Yeah, it's not really sure. not. Well, I'm, I'm very doubtful that. Um, our good Matt, friend Matt Damon would have been able to pull it off as well. Oh, if only he did some of the awesome. If only he did some of the singing parts in Stallion of the Cinnamon. <laughs> then, uh, anyway, yeah, um, this yeah, this film would definitely not make a good musical. Um, if you want to get into like sci-fi literature and stuff, this is what you would call a cyberpunk dystopian space opera. Kind of like if you've ever list, if you ever watched uh, read any of uh, the short stories by like Philip K. Dick or watched movies like Blade Runner, um, this is definitely that kind of future. There is nothing glamorous. There is nothing shiny and chrome. There's nothing that you would see in an Apple store about this film. Like everything is very industrial and utilitarian because uh, future the future in space is about industry. It is about cleaning up space. And letting other alien races push you around because humans are refugees in this film. What an awesome and mature premise for a sci-fi film. Spoiler alert, Earth gets blown up in the first five minutes of this film. Isn't that great? Yeah. For no reason. For no reason. The dredge just show up and are like, hey guys, we're going to blow up your planet. See ya. Destroy the humans. Did they give a reason at the beginning? I felt like they did, but I wasn't really engaged enough to real to notice. This is why I love the dredge. They're just jerks. You know, a lot of modern movie making is all about, well, the, the bad guys aren't really that. They're not really pure evil. They have a reason to fight against the protagonist that, you know, they were hurt at some point or they were offended at some point, And that gives them the right to blow up planet Earth. No, the dredge just show up and they're like, Mm, we don't like what you're building, so we're going to blow up your planet. <laughs> well, they like toward the end. It's like, oh, they were just afraid. They weren't afraid of who we were. They were afraid of what we would become. I guess. I still think they're just kind of jerks. Well, yeah. anyway. Obviously. I mean, who, who made them like the galaxy's bully? I don't know, but it is what it is. I don't know, man. I don't know. But anyway, um, awesome awesome effects you know the exploding planet earth at the beginning was an effect where they um you know the earth breaks up into tiny different bits and it's actually cut up into pieces according to seismic fault data so there's the actual pieces are like if if the planet did explode along its fault lines that's what it would look like i thought that was kind of cool 
That is cool. Somebody really put that time and effort into that. I did yeah. like, I mean, there was that moment when it's like the world is spinning and you're like, oh, poor Florida. I just see it like just get totally, <laughs> yep. totally demolished. The Disney parks are obliterated. I wonder if that's a little, I wonder if that was a little stab. You know how in the Minions movie they referenced, um, they referenced Orlando. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so that's cool. Earth gets destroyed, um, and we're introduced to what's his name? Kale. Yeah, Kale is the Kale. What an what an unfortunate and unappetizing name. Who likes Kale? I anyway. like Kale. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, young Kale um, watches his planet blown up, get blown up, and his father leaves with, or his, his father. Uh, shoots off the titan which is earth's only hope but we don't really know how the titan was supposed to be earth's only hope until later a little cameo by ron perlman who's a i guess his his alien buddy who's like oh come on get out of get out of there you know ron perlman ron perlman is always a treat to have in a sci-fi film they had a really good cast i thought i mean such a cool cast in general i was looking at i was like okay matt damon on this i i can dig that matt damon Um, yeah Bill Pullman, he's definitely the <laughs> best American president in film ever. And I everyone will say that. I didn't even know. Yeah, he is. We will not go quietly into the night. <laughs> we, we will, will not, not finish, finish without, a, without fight. a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. So Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you feel for America? All, all you people who are not from the U.S. listening right now, like, doesn't that music just, does that speech just want you to, to go out there and jump in a fighter plane and kill the aliens? Yes. <laughs> but there is no, there's no such inspiration coming from, um, from uh, Bill Pullman's character. No. And then no. we've got Drew Barrymore, who is Akima. You know, she's the, um, the tough and empowered female star pilot. Uh, Don Bluth told her when she was doing her acting, she was, he was like, well, you know, Drew Barrymore, she's always the, the sweet and slightly sexy girl character. And I told her, don't do sweet, sexy, sweet, do tough, you know? So Drew Barrymore in an interview said that, uh, you know, boys will like the action. Girls will feel empowered. <laughs> it's, that's good. That's a good way to roll up this film in a nutshell, you know? There you go. And then we've got Nathan Lane, uh, who is Preed. Uh, he, he's this alien who's kind of like Jar Jar Binks' cooler older cousin. <laughs> <laughs> who is... If he had the floppy ears, he would be a perfect, like, tough Gungan. It's true. Um, one thing I liked, he was the one that he was the double backstabber. You know, he backstabs the backstabbed. He, he, he stabs a lot of backs. And it's the most, <laughs> un, it's the most un-Nathan Lane... Um, I thought, yeah role like I could ever recognize that it was him after i realized he's like a creepy it. smooth highly intelligent nathan lane mm. and i'm just used to the panicky sassy nathan lane maybe i watch too much modern family and then <laughs> my man john leguizamo as john leguizamo as uh, as goon channeling a little peter laurie as this uh, as this alien it's so sad what do you think he died from he died and then he comes back is like i woke from my nap he <laughs> blows all the aliens away. He was a very, I liked him as far as character design, as far as characters were just appeal. I thought he was a appealing character. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite rapping Goanna tone lock is in it at one point <laughs> doing the wild thing. What, what is, what is he in this movie? I just know he's in it. Who? Tone lock. Oh, tone. Oh, I don't know. You know, the guy who did uh, Funky Cold Medina, <laughs> he was that sassy Goanna in um, Fern Gully. Yes, 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 yes. Tech. Who is Tech? I don't know. Uh, he's like some alien. Yeah, he's like some alien in it. Um, but yeah, Jim Cummings is in it too. So like a really cool, a really cool cast. And then who was the kangaroo alien? Um, I feel like I know her from somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Look her up real quick. Look, look, look that up. Yeah. How does this movie have a 48 on Metascore? Come on. <laughs> uh, let's see. Stith. That's right. Stith is like this kangaroo alien. Oh, um, she was, um, this is Janine Garfalo and she was in Ratatouille. Who was she in Ratatouille? I let's don't. See. Yeah, she was Colette. So she was Colette in, in Ratatouille. And that just speaks to how versatile this voice actress is because Stith is like, 
she's like the very very angry like very tough space pirate kangaroo lady you know when she's blowing away aliens she's like whoa yeah do this all day yeah even when um kale comes over and you're like no it's kale it's kale she's like meh at least he got away. You know, just like I'm, t- I'm already halfway through. Go, go, go! <laughs> like one I of those, um, the those people who get like really into their video games and they're like, I, I can't stop now. Like, I, like they get off the video game and they're still playing in their mind. That's me playing. That's me playing Smash Brothers. I get, I get very nasty, very angry. <laughs> I'm like Seth Cohen on the OC playing video games. I, I start taunting. But anyway, um, yeah, so really cool voice cast. And you know what? I do have visual confirmation that they all did their voices. Like they did do voice sessions together. Maybe not everyone, but I know for a fact that um, that Bill Pullman, Drew Barrymore, and Matt Damon did voices together in the same room, which is always a huge deal. I've heard of nightmare scenarios where the producers do the animation first and then expect the voice actors and or actresses to Master voice that. over that. And it's torture for those poor people. So yeah, making it kind of loose and having kind of a, because there is a lot of um, human, like interhuman conflict and strife and interaction and dialogue and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just about the action. And so I, I liked that. I really like the voice acting. I think they have a very natural flow versus other animated films, you know? Yeah. And Don always likes doing that because he's an, he's an actor's actor, director. Um, because he does plays and he, he's always been interested in theater and, and just how, like, for example, if you do anything that is live theater, it's an entirely different momentum. It's an entirely different vibe that you're going to get when you're all in the same room, as opposed yeah. to when you're just standing in front of a microphone in this dark little room that you're trying to, like, create in your mind, which, I mean, great if you're, I mean, there's people who are able to do that fantastically and more power to them, but to have just that, everybody every voice actor around is like i would much rather play off of somebody else yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah um and then um and then speaking of things that don bluth likes to do in his films um i wouldn't exactly call this a kid-friendly movie i would almost do i would almost do pg-13 since i'm a god-fearing man if i let my kids watch this show i think it would be after like when they're 13 just because there's i mean it's kind of a rough film overall like it is dark and gritty just like most uh don bluth films mm-hmm. but there's some inappropriate stuff in it too that I, i'm like how did this get into the like, who yeah is there like a part where like akima's like pretty much naked in a towel or something yeah she and then she's like are you in or out and it's like um uh, okay <laughs> yikes he was I like mean, i guess i'm in <laughs> yeah i guess this is don't, don't blow it man um but yeah that, that was very much a starship troopers moment where i guess like in the future no one cares about decency like like you know you know bathroom issues i guess i hate to bring that up now but uh, <laughs> but just suffice it to say like this is kind of one of those rougher animated films yeah it was pg like check out the parents guide before letting your eight-year-old kid watch this ah, they probably won't even care well and then there's anyway. the one part where um she's doctoring him up and he's like um why am i naked <laughs> hello like, yeah um, i'm still naked like uh, which is like that is the moment when parents are gonna be like hmm, should i have brought my eight-year-old to this i don't my six and seven-year-olds hmm. I, don't I don't know if an eight-year-old would have cared he's like what i'm naked all the time but anyway, uh, but you know, you question whether this is really an appropriate kids film. You know what? It's an appropriate Don Bluth kids film. So yeah. when you go into one of his films, you just have to kind of get over it. But anyway, I think overall, like they just go from space opera situation to space opera situation, always being chased down by the dredge, you know, and then there's, um, you know, there's some beautiful environments because they're, they're trying to get to this map. You know, this is very treasure planet. The main character alone holds the key to this epic map that that has, you know, the amazing thing. I like, you know, my map is hidden inside my Aggie ring here. <laughs> Read it and weep, everyone. But uh, um, the ring has it. So uh, remind me again why the bad guy just couldn't kill Matt, kill Kale and take the ring for himself. Was because it like hooked up ring- to his DNA? Yeah, so it would only show on his hand because it was connected to the like. It's like if you watch um, Once Upon a Time, it's it's family it's family magic or blood magic. Um, uh, blood magic. <laughs> it's blood magic. We we love blood magic. We <laughs> love blood magic. Where only somebody who is in that same like bloodline can break the spell. Dude, that is so Pirates of the Caribbean. 
<laughs> it is. William Turner was my father. His blood flows through my veins. Yes. <laughs> He's only half Turner. We spill it all. <laughs> but anyway, um, really cool scenes like um, everything from the crappy space station where Kale works at and gets picked up to the lantern planet to the ice planet, you know, to the very end, like really cool stuff. And then you got these dredge, which are like these really sinister characters. And they gave me a real independent vibe from independence day. Maybe their animation or just how they kind of matted their animation with the backgrounds and stuff. But I don't know. I just feel like everything in this film is just very dirty, very grungy. And the CG backgrounds like maybe don't work. Maybe they should have just gone with like, um, what do you call it? What was what's that pan thing, that camera pan technology that Disney made for Beauty and the Beast? Not deep canvas. What's it called? Where you have like you have these panes, multi pane camera. Oh yeah, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, should just should just gone with multi pane camera. Yeah, that would have been cool. Can't you um, just steal Disney's technology and use it for your film, guys? Come on, come um, on, a couple of you. You know, though, I was really glad that there was a sufficient amount of Don Bluth dazzle in this. Oh yeah, so much dazzle, CG Lots dazzle, dazzle even. Yeah, like in the very beginning where you have young Kale and he's like over by the river and you've got the shadow on top of him, which is a little bit distracting because you're like, I see what you're trying to do there. Yeah, those CG sat shadows, man. And and it was 2000, but at the same time, it's like you did some, you did it. I like it. So. Yeah. Okay. So what what were your highlights of this film, Chels? My highlights of the film, I really. Some things that I, I liked the color scheme. I always liked Don Blue's color. Really, scheme. he loves he loves putting the really deep reds in there, um, and I've oh, yeah. been very much of a fan of the, like the deep dark reds and all those. Um, and it's like Kodachrome. <laughs> yeah, and then it like counters out with like some greens and blues and just really dark. I I like those things. Um, as far as plot points, I enjoyed the characters themselves and the fact that it was more of a, it was more of a serious film. I mean, you weren't, there were just, it was more of a serious tone. It was more of a serious everything. So. Yeah. I think one of the big, that's a great point. I think one of the biggest differences is that um, between this and treasure planet is that treasure planet tried really hard to inject the lovable sidekicks into this film. Titan AE made zero attempts to inject lovable sidekicks into this film. I don't, I personally don't think anyone is lovable in this film. No, I that doesn't mean they're not a, lovable. That doesn't mean they're not interesting. That doesn't mean they're not appealing, but it's like kind of rank, like Rango where every character is ugly <laughs> in it. And, um, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I love the chase sequence in the flooded planet with the lanterns. The ice, cool. se- the ice sequence was really cool. And then that, that beautiful animated sequence with um, where basically um, it's the power to create a new world that's in the Titan. The Titan has everything you need to create uh, Earth. It's like a modern day Noah's Ark. It's got DNA from all the animals. It's got all this terraforming technology. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder why they didn't just find another planet that resembles Earth and terraform it if they've already got the technology to create an Earth from scratch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but anyway. yeah, there was a lot of questions that I had about the whole like creating the Earth thing. Um, one question was like, where did they get the sun? Like, weren't we in this like ice? <laughs> no, they they created a. Uh, oh, oof. um, hmm. yeah. Grow your own sun kit. Just add water. <laughs> Like the, there was no sun at, at, up until this. Like it was a full, full fledged, um, like ice portion of the galaxy, and dark and yeah. So I was like, where did they get the sun? That's all I care about. And just, then how do they make it like revolve around the sun? Are they just gonna do this like eh, we just revolve around ourselves because that's we're we're cool like that? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Science. maybe while the Titan was working on the ice planet and converting it to Earth, it like steered it towards the ne- the next sun, the nearest sun. I don't know. One one can only wonder. But I don't <laughs> think there's a whole lot of scientific debate revolving around this film. Like it's not like Inception or Gravity or something like that. Well, Gravity's pretty easy. It's just the laws of gravity. Right. But um, I hate space in general. I hate space really? movies. Yes. Space. It's so beautiful. <laughs> like when they're in, like it was 
kind of during the beginning of it and they were eating their food and then like the gravity machine turns off and everyone just starts floating around. I'm like, oh, that's just so what? inconsistent. Gravity would be great. I, I want gravity. I want to be anchored in somehow. Okay, I in order to have gravity then, Chelsea, you need to have a spinning space station like on Space Odyssey, uh, 20, 2001 A Space Odyssey that makes a centrifugal force that re- resembles gravity. You can't have it both ways. You can't just press a button and turn gravity. But it, you know how I feel about space in the word in the in the words of Markiplier. Oh, it's so cool, so cool. Space. He did a, a, a someone did like a mashed up dub of him singing about space. But anyway, yeah. So space is cool, but um, it's terrifying. You know, all that like floating off into space and like. And like getting latched off to your spacecraft, like there's none of that. Everybody pretty much has rocket packs on their space spacesuits and stuff. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the reveal of um, that one fool? What's his name? MDB <laughs> uh, is saving my life tonight. Um, it, I didn't see it coming because I was like a 13 year old kid when I saw the film. I didn't know nothing. Uh, yeah, a Corso. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting because um, it's kind of like. It's an opposite of what they did with Treasure Planet. Again, so many comparisons and, and contrasts. Whereas Long John Silver, Cyber Silver, Long John Cyber, um, was he was a, a vile and repulsive character who later became good. So good that they commemorated his visage in the stars at the <laughs> end of the, the film. Sky. They might as well have had him winking to the audience at the <laughs> end. The Didn't man they? in the moon. I totally thought they did. There was no, there was a twinkle in his eye, I'm pretty sure. Oh my god! I'm pretty sure there's a twinkle in his star eye, but anyway. So this like, Corso was like the mentor character that takes the young rebel under his wing. He's he's kind of like what if Obi Wan turned evil at the end of Star Wars and betrayed Luke Skywalker? Yeah, that's well, kind he, of it. He also knew his father. You knew my father. Um, <gasps> but it, you fought in the Clone Wars with my father. <laughs> Yeah, it was just there was you knew the you knew my dad and I feel like you're trying to take me under your wing and trying to be a father figure and then nah, just dude. to throw it all out. I'm like, it's no, all business. I'm actually gonna kill you. Like it's all space what? business. But then at the end he's like, Oh, I see the error of my ways and that I could possibly die, so I might as well repent. <laughs> Yeah, and well, okay, this is one of those things that bother me. Um, when you have a character like that, or even just in real life, when you have a person that they're like, oh, they come back, and it's like, yes, you can be forgiven, but I have not forgotten. Um, I just feel like, there, have you ever heard that story where it's like the kid picks up the snake, or and he's he's like, oh, ca-, the snake says, oh, carry me across the river. Oh, but yeah. if you bite me, I'll die. Like, I won't bite you. I won't bite you. That's not what I do. And he t- picks him up, carries him across the r- river. And then the moment he's about to set him down, he turns around and bites him. It's like, well, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. Like, that's what I am. So that's all kind right, of how I right. see this guy Like at the end. Like, why would you trust him in the end? I mean, yes, it's understandable. You need somebody. You're kind of like at that point where you're alone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just a space pirate code. If someone says they're sorry, you have to instantly forgive them. That's, that's not like that's not like pirate. Yes, that's very piratey. But anyway, um, yeah, that, I, that's a pretty good metaphor. So the title of this episode should be Space Snakes. Space Snakes. I think. Snakes? <laughs> I don't know no snakes. Anyway, um, yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool. And then he like comes back. What was weird is that he like pretty graphically killed Preed in front of everyone. And uh, that's pretty bad. You don't just kill Nathan Lane. I always love a good bad character who turns good and redeems himself. Like I'm, I am always, I'm always up for that. And then uh, the dredge get destroyed. Actually, they get they get converted into the energy that powers the Titan. Like that's so smart. I like isn't that. that. Isn't, isn't that just so animated film where it's like the main character cannot use brute strength to kill the his enemy, mm-hmm. and so he he finds some sneaky way to do it. Like this is basically space Aladdin where the dredge are Jafar in in his final genie form. That wasn't even his final form. And, um, and, uh, and he's like, oh, well, how, since y'all are energy, then here, take all the energy and be sucked in. That's not really how it went, but yeah, basically there's going to be a sequel where, where someone releases all the dredge out of the Titan. <laughs> I'm free. And, uh, and that guy from Seinfeld is going to be their new master. <laughs> But anyway, um, oh the, re- the, the planet rebirth sequence was actually animated by none other than Blue Sky when they were, um, you know, they were doing their commercial stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah. 
I'm a fan of Blue Sky in that era specifically, just because I love seeing smaller companies like that have such a, a growth. Like you feel like, okay, you started out so here, and then you just step by step by step by step, and then you're like one of the major. I mean, there for a time there specifically, they were one of the major players in the CGI world. So, kudos. Well, a lot of them, yeah, everybody forgets that Blue Sky was pretty much there from the beginning as far as animated film production, like CG animated film production. Like Ice Age still holds up, man. Did we do Did we do Ice Age? Yeah, we did. Okay, we got to do Ice Age 2 because that one's even funnier than the first one. Number three, not so much. Yeah, number three, not so much. Number four and number five, please stop. And then Collision Course, is that is Collision Course the fifth one or is it the sixth one? I've lost I count. I shouldn't hate on Blue Sky because I really respect them, but man, they're... they're they're, they're milking the wrong cash cow. Push peanuts. Peanuts in Rio, guys. Anyway, um, I, I like all these um, these kind of uh, studios that start out doing like contract commercial work. You know, Real Effects did the same thing. Yeah. Um, there's another company in Texas that's called... Uh, are they in Texas? Brazen Animation? Anyway, they're, they're about to start doing feature films. I, I'm pretty sure. Nice. But yeah, I, I love all this. I love all that stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, so that was Blue Sky Studios. How did you feel about... Um, her kinship with like the human race as opposed to his. What do you mean? So for like, she just has gadgets and gizmos of plenty. I mean, you look at her; she's got baseball, space who's it's and, and space what's it's galore. <laughs> and um, he's just you so, mean Akima? Akima, yeah. And yeah. and then Kale's just so like not so much against it, but he's just never been around it. He's always just been with the other aliens. So um, yeah, I thought Here's that the was deal. kind of cool. Here's the deal. Kale has forgotten what it means to be human. That's it. And Akima retains her humanity in her own way. You know, that's you know, all her gadgets and gizmos of plenty. You know, she's got um, Preet explaining all the things. It's like a hairdryer, you know. <laughs> no, uh, she, he gets a curling iron and says, this used to be a fork back when Earth stood. <laughs> Just kidding. That would have been uh, a great reference. That would have been fantastic. It really would have been. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, um, Kale has forgotten what it means to be human. And what's interesting, what's really interesting about the ending of this film is that Kale reconnects with um, what it means to be human. And that's like courage and responsibility and love and hope. But also there's like this, this strangely spiritual part to it. If you, if, if you know anything about Don Bluth's um, religious beliefs, one of their, one of his big beliefs is that one of the greatest powers given to us is to create life. And y'all know what that means, but I won't say because there's preschool toys here. Um, And um, in a way, the Titan and the Titan's life creating ability being unlocked by Kale because he is a human and he has human blood in him kind of represents that. And so from a weird kind of um, kind of spiritual, like what is the purpose of life viewpoints? Like it is kind of spiritual. And so Don Bluth does it again with uh, with his with his um, you know pro family views. Are you following me on this, Chelsea, or, or are you just completely lost? No, I'm I'm kind of following you there for sure. Um, I I also saw. I guess I didn't focus on that as much. One thing okay. that I did focus on it, and we did touch on it slightly, but it was the fact that they used the Dredge's energy as their major force of of something to propel them forward. And yeah. I, the thing that that was what folk, I focused on a lot is like how many times it, like our most, um, our biggest trials in life are actually the, our biggest opportunities huh. you know, without, without the dredge coming to kill them, they would never have been able to start the earth again. They would never yeah. have been able to move forward. And so, um, those biggest trials are our biggest opportunities. So that's, that was what I got. And well, so that's I was a pretty thinking good thing. mostly, mostly on that. So I, I guess that's why I wasn't thinking on, the also, creation part. Also, um, yeah, they do get the energy to start the Titan from the Dread, which are like these beings of pure energy. So I don't know, maybe there's like a metaphor for like, this is like the new era of humanity where we use dredge energy now. <laughs> <laughs> Need some energy? Have a dredge cola. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, we no longer work on screams. It's all about the laughs. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Like on, um, oh, what's that ride called? The Monster's Laugh Factory or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Something or like that, that where, uh, yeah, in the parks, 
now that's now if you want to talk about cool animation that's pretty cool like it's it's a pretty simple algorithm but i i like what they what they're doing on it on it uh-huh. but i like how yeah it's not it's not screams anymore it's laughs that are like our form of energy that's i don't know if that's canon you know uh, i don't know if that goes uh, goes by the lore but still really cool our comedian alien our comedian monster kept pointing out this one guy in the audience who didn't speak any english because he was from another country and it was just like really awkward it's like we know you know he's from china dude quit yelling we well, quit laughing at that they were from um new new something or other and oh new like new bangkok. shanghai new bangkok yeah it was new bangkok one That's- night in new bangkok makes the hard man humble <laughs> not much between despair and ecstasy that's a good song, but Space Bangkok is even cooler. <laughs> Space Bangkok. One um, town, Oriental City, but the city I don't know. Sorry, that's a really funny song from the 80s. Anyway, oh, Space man. Bangkok. Yeah, there's always a new Bangkok, you know, new Tokyo, new Buenos Aires, new whatever. Yeah. Well, another. there's also the the Phoenix. So Ah, the Phoenix. We do know that there was... There that's, metaphor, a meta- that's, that's a metaphor. It's a symbol for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> They're looking really far out there. Um, <laughs> they were ahead of their time. Um, so, But the Phoenix, you know, it's, it's the mythical bird that rises from the ashes. So, you know, it's in a way, it's um, the these this human race is going to rise from the extinction you know, or almost extinction. Um, but also, the film was made in Arizona, so I thought that was a cool out there <laughs> yeah it's pretty good so anyway it's all about kale learning how to be a human again human again when we're human again <laughs> i hate that song so much you, I, I hate it too I, okay which one do you hate more the morning report or human again both of them they were cut <laughs> for a reason they were cut for a reason people the morning report. thank you thank you i mean human again. there are several songs from the Broadway versions that I'm like, hey, I liked that one. Home, for one, is one of my favorites. Um, Mason has yet to do his interpretation of Home from Beauty and the Beast. Papa will be <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't Someday. think... When we did... When when did we do that? Was that at Roto Roma? Roma. Roma. <laughs> it was a Roto Roma. <laughs> that was... I, I don't remember laughing so hard ever on this podcast when we did that we need to do it again i think it was because we we had all gotten up really early and we were all like on energy drinks and we Probably. were just like <sighs> anyway if you had to choose one which do you hate most morning report or human again jeez oh, um i had like which one would i least i guess he, human again okay just because it's longer yeah and it's it's like you the characters are off model and you just go in and you're like, you weren't in my, no, I just don't like it. And there's just so many people that are, they just, I felt like they forced it on you. They yeah. forced it on you and, and both of them they do, but that one I'm going to say. And, and if it's anything I hate, it's being something being forced on me during an animated, animated film. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> hey, um, let's do a, uh, Let's do a chat slash Twitter question. Well, let's just do, let's do a chat question. So um, on the if you're listening on the chat, uh, we're going to wrap up kind of soon. But uh, have this in your mind and, and let us know in the chat. Who is your favorite character from Titan AE? And uh, let us know in the chat. So mm-hmm. let's discuss something here, Chelsea. Um, so why is it that Titan AE did so bad in the box office? If you look on the IMDB message boards for this film, which is kind of my go-to, one of my go-to resources, like... Nine out of ten of the discussion board threads are titled like "Why is this rated so badly?" Badly. I don't understand why people don't like it. I can't believe how low rating this has. I wish more people liked this movie. What the crap? Why doesn't anyone like this movie? Like it has a cult following that are like, "What? Come on, this isn't that bad." And yet it's got such a low like Metascore rating. It's mm-hmm. very. It's not very popular. Like it's got an okay rating on on IMDb, but those are user ratings, not critic rate critics ratings. Right. You got to kind of take both, but. But anyway, okay. I think the reason why is because they didn't really know their audience. And I think that was a big part of this one. So people going into it for one thing, they're thinking that they're going to get, you know, it's a Don Bluth film. The last one was Anastasia. And so they kind of, they expect that, but this one was taken a little bit further than, you know, as far as darkness goes. And they just, 
they don't even think Don Bluth, really. Most people don't. Um, but they just think animated, therefore kids. But then therefore kids. Go, therefore kids. Um, then you go into it and it's it's so it doesn't hit the same beats that all of the other animated films hit. And yeah. so it because of that, and I, I hate saying that, saying that therefore it's going to fail, because I don't yeah. think that that's true, nor do I want it to be true at all. But it's, I think that that was the main thing, is they didn't really gear it toward anyone specific. Yeah, it's and, really weird. And so it was just like, I don't know who your audience is. When I look at this film, just from the previews or just from the trailer, it looks like um, a boy movie. Mm-hmm. You know, don't want to generalize too much, but it's got the action. It's got the explosions. It's got aliens. It's got laser guns. It's got aliens. <laughs> Did I mention aliens? Um, so they probably had a hard time roping in families just from the yeah. like the teaser trailers and stuff and like the previews. Like, Despite the film having a very strong statement about the integration of male and female gender roles, like the men and women, they work on the same spaceship and they're equally as empowered and, and confident mm-hmm. and, and, you know, able. And yet it's still kind of a boys movie because you've got, you've got Creed and Power Man 5000 doing your music and um, the, all the explosions and the color. Uh, oh, which brings me to one of my big points for maybe why this film didn't do so well in the box office is because everything is so dismal. Like the film is so depressing. This is very much yeah. a dystopian future. Yeah. Like I said, very Blade Runner, very Philip K. Dick, you know. It doesn't and, leave you with the feeling of euphoria for sure, which... Right. And, and I, don't, I don't know if that's even Don Bluth's style, you know, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just so hard. Um, the, I, for, I, for one, think the colors in the film are, are dull and like dismal. Sorry. There's some vibrant. There's those vibrant reds are definitely there. It is a very warm colored film, like a lot of di- uh, Don Bluth stuff. But they just work so much, work so hard to make the grunge of like this cyberpunk dystopian world work. Whereas you contrast that with Treasure Planet and look how sparkly and vibrant and colorful everything was, you know, it had a little dose of sunshine and um, in the care, the characters match it. The characters are interesting, maybe even appealing, but they're not likable and they are kind of jerks to each other throughout the film. And I know that this fits in with the universe that Don and Gary created, but again, contrast that with Treasure Planet where where even the villains were entertaining and you could feel for them. As soon as Preed, um, as soon as Preed double crosses everyone, we're done with him, you know? And he has no redeeming qualities in the end. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know. That's just another reason. And then uh, again, part of it could have been like extreme pressure from Fox animation or from the studio executives. You know, whenever you read about these like production hell cases, you wonder, was it the directors? Was it their vision or was it all these problems that happened? Yeah. All the, all these problems and and interpolations that happen with, uh, with studio execs. So I don't know. Uh, Some people in the chat mentioned poor marketing. It's not like you could find the toys at McDonald's, you know? You got to search far. You got to search pretty hard to find toys from this movie. Yeah. And they don't even look like them. They don't even look like the movies. You know how um, a lot of collectors and like you go to Comic Con and stuff and a lot of people make really good like maquettes and action figures and little statuettes of of animated films or comic book characters. They need to do that for Titan A.E. Because there's some cool designs in this movie, like all the ships and like the dredge and like all the Mm -hmm. all the characters. Oh, um, we've got animation nerd girl in the chat who asked us, what do you, what did you guys think of the romance? I thought it was fine. I think it was pretty standard for like your space yeah. opera where it's like rough and tough girl protagonist with yeah. a rebel with nothing to prove. Yeah. And if he doesn't like it, he'll leave. Um, yeah. I felt like it was fine. I felt like they did a good job of like making you feel like, yeah, they, they missed each other and they'd get, gone through enough. When you go through enough turmoil together, that's enough to keep you together. Yeah. So that's be grateful for the turmoil. Once again, your biggest strength, your biggest challenges become your biggest um, opportunities. Oh, isn't it great when weak things become strong? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I dig the film. I don't hate it. I don't know what I'm going to rate it for. Rate it though. Yeah. Ra- rating on this one is going to be interesting. Let me think. All right, let's go to our chat question. Last chance. Uh, I'm going to write it in here in the chat. Last chance for favorite Cowick. Yeah. It's a little home star. A lot of people for, for Stith. Oh, we got some Stith. I think Stith was the runaway character for this film. 
She did a good job, and she wasn't. Really it's not like she had her own song, but she held her own. <laughs> <laughs> On the album, Stith song. I am just a space kangaroo. No one, I. People think I don't have feelings and that I enjoy destruction, but I've got karate skills, true. and it's mostly true. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. But wouldn't you want to be a space kangaroo? Space kangaroo, space kangaroo. <laughs> Every, yeah. So this is what a space kangaroo looks like. <laughs> I want to know. Da, 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 da. And now I know. Da, da, da. Do you keep laser guns in your pouch? Please say yes. My heart has kangaroo legs. And I can hop. Anyway, that's a little, little music for you. <laughs> You're killing me, folks. But anyway, um, so we've got uh, a vote for Akima. Could it be that the um, that the female characters are more beloved than than the male characters in it? No, no love for Kale, no Kale lovers, no no alumni from Kale University here. Um, I think I think the the male in general, like they all kind of just had that too. They're a little. They're all kind of the. <laughs> yeah, and then they I don't know what humanity to them as much as the the females kind of like throw you in. I don't and then know. I don't know what gender goon is. We'll just. Say she identifies as a goon. Her pronouns are Ed, Ed, and Eddie. But yeah, um, and Bob. And uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Not sure what goon is, but goon was really cool too. Really cute. Maybe the closest you can come to a lovable uh, sidekick was goon. Yeah, it was kind of like a space turtle. He did have thing. a feel at the head. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, goofs. We're into goons now. Uh, it just doesn't. Just doesn't doesn't same right now. We got we got Chattleton on the chat who says pretty much Kale is awesome. So we got we got one vote. Got one vote for Kale, but hey, he voted for Stiff two chats late, earlier. So anyway, well, as far as um, my rating, okay, so I'm gonna give this three stars. Three stars. Okay, mm-hmm. that's 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 not bad. I don't think it's bad. Like it's two and a half is a is like. I could either go here or there. I kind of look at it at that. Like the two and a half for me is an equal. It's not like grade. So it's like A, B, or C. Like C's are like, uh, no, I would never want to see or whatever. Um, for me, it's like three is, it's leaning toward I like. So that's where I, I'd get three for that one. Um, I feel like they did had a lot of cool things with it and it was very interesting to watch. So that's where I give it. All right, all right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should give it a 2.5 or a 3. <laughs> uh, I'll be optimistic. We'll just do three stars out of five for uh, for Titan A. Ten out of ten. Um, yeah, three out of five stars. Yeah, this, I mean, this, this movie visually had a lot of problems, but that doesn't mean they tried really hard. And I, I think it's really cool that they at least attempted and did a pretty good attempt at the space opera, the grungy dystopian Mm-hmm. you know blade runner style if if you enjoyed blade runner you would really enjoy this one because this is very much the same except there's no cyborgs but anyway and it's um, lesser for it yeah but anyway that's that's pretty much it um i did not hate the film it's, you know it's still one of my like whenever someone mentions it i'm always like awesome you know just because I, I like sci-fi and aliens and stuff yeah i have all around positive feelings for it yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to our fun, fantastic voicemails. Oh, how many do we have? We have two. Okay. Have one, the first one is from Sinjin. Ooh, Sinjin. Hey, guys. Super excited to hear you're reviewing Titan AE for the podcast. And I just wanted to share a few thoughts that I have about the movie. Uh, first off, I love the concept. It's not necessarily entirely original when you compare it to things like Battlestar Galactica. But um, I think the spins they give it make it feel really fresh all the same. And the space adventure itself, a lot of fun. It's obvious that Joss Whedon took a pass at the screenplay. It's got, uh, between the dialogue and the, and the action, it's got flashes of Firefly, which is really cool. Oh, yeah, and Firefly. Wise, obviously, it's a 
John Bluth films, so that part of it looks great. But the 3D that they incorporate into the 2D, I think, blends really well and um, and holds up today, which is an achievement for sure. Uh, the negatives that I have are pretty nitpicky, um, but I wish that there was some more character development between the other members of the crew, like Preed and Stith and Goon. And the back of Akima's head always kind of bothered me, a little disproportionate, but whatever, it's okay. It's still a great movie. Um, can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts, and keep up the good work. You guys rock. No, you rock, Sinjin. Um, yeah, we... Um... I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, okay. First of all, thank you for your voicemail. I agree. It's got... I haven't watched too much Firefly in my life. I saw Serenity before I saw Firefly, which I know is a capital offense. I know. I know. <laughs> I have not watched that much Firefly. But yeah, it doesn't... It definitely has that kind of utilitarian, clunky cyberpunk vibe to it. Very good comparison. I Yeah. All right. Next one is from MJ. MJ! Hello, Rotoscopers. It's MJ here. And what a really great pick, Titan Hayy. So I think it's a really special, that word again, underrated movie. I'm not going to gush over it, even though I want to, but there's two things I have to mention. The first one being the soundtrack, just the songs like Over My Head and Cosmic Castaway are really good songs to blast in the car. Yes. I'm talking a while, but when I heard to do this, I blasted the album again, and it still sounds really good. It sounds very, like, early noughties. Respect. But, yeah, I still love it. And the other thing, how great is that with this plot idea of humans being the lowest of the low now? I think that's a wonderful metaphor for minorities and things that go on for day, like today. So I thought that was a very good plot point that you could carry a whole movie on, which they pretty much did. Thanks, guys. Love you all. That's that's a really good point about like the metaphor with like humans dwindling. It's like, um, yeah, it, it is pretty crazy because it's like uh, we never do enough films where like the world did end and but some humans are left and this is what this is how they're dealing with it and we're outcasts now. We're the minority. We're not the center of our universe anymore. And um, I think it's a really interesting metaphor and, and one of the coolest parts of this film. Thank you so much for calling in, you guys. You guys are make the podcast what it is. It's been great. I've enjoyed this conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah. D- so, is that it for for voicemails? Yeah, that's it. Only two voicemails. Only two. Definitely need to have a lot more for next time. We have... I hope everybody's going to go off and see our next episode is going to be Angry Birds, the movie. So definitely go ahead and... Get ready, folks. Strap yourselves in. <laughs> support animation and go and see it and then join in on the conversation give us your thoughts make sure to let us know what you think good bad ugly whatever you like i mean let us know we want to we definitely enjoy hearing your guys's inputs if you have any questions or if you want to make comments on this episode this episode you can find at rotoscopers.com slash 123 wow i know 123 episodes holy cow so can i can i just say something we would not be here where we are doing the video broadcasts and having like really good equipment and stuff like that without our patrons um they they have really um stepped up and and helped us like make all this possible and the podcast will only grow with the more patron uh, patreon subscribers we have and so you can to learn more you can go to rotoscopers.com slash patron to find out how you too can benefit from the perks of being a part of the Roto Nation support the show. For sure. And then also, I just wanted to also put out that Clay Cadis was the director of Angry Birds movie, Angry Birds movie, which... Angry Birds. Angry Birds. He was one of our biggest inspirations for starting this podcast. So once again, we're going to be very excited about reviewing this movie. Um, so also you got to make sure if you want to leave comments on one, tw- you know, rotoscopers.com slash 123, make sure to leave comments because we are always in there. We always check those comments. We read them. We love them. We comment. We back. Yeah. I, I am so insecure. I am constantly looking to see what people think of me on the internet. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. Mason's very insecure. <laughs> We're putting him through therapy actually. But, yeah. but anyway, I, um, 
we we love sifting through y'all's comments and um we love getting feedback for the show it helps make us better it helps make the show better so thank you for all of your feedback and for all your being engaging on the show basically with the show basically mason does rule alexander in the chat is saying that for him so yay (laughs) oh yay me um if you're te- if you are going to be tweeting about this episode, make sure to use the hashtag animatics or animatics one two three. Hey. Hey one two three. That's easy. Um, and then once again, voicemails. You can if you want to send us your voicemails, you got to go to rotoscopers.com/voicemails, and you can also dial in at um, Air's United States, so plus one four zero six six four six six five seven five. Yeah. So I think we deserve a, another round of uh, I'm in over my head. Come on. Please do. Give it. All right. It's, it's, it's loading, man. There we go. I'm in over my head. All right. All right. Speaking out. Speaking out. Oh, my gosh. We really appreciate all those people who have been giving us any type of reviews on iTunes. I've been going through those and I've been like, oh, you guys are so great. Um, Definitely, it does help every time that you give a rating on iTunes. So make sure to keep those coming. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Find us everywhere. Find Mason on all of his places. Mason is active on Twitter as well as Mason's new portfolio if you want to see what he's got going on. And then I've been pretty active on Snapchat lately. Um, You can check me out, Chelsea M., Robson on Snapchat. I was too late to get the Chelsea Robson face palm, but everything else you can just find me on Chelsea Robson. So, um, next episode, once again, Angry Birds and Morgan will probably be with us. So, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Until next time. We are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. <laughs>